Welcome to No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. I'm your host and executive director of No Heart Left Behind, Alicia Stickles. If we're honest, family life can be hard. Family can be our greatest blessing, but also the source of our deepest wounds. At No Heart Left Behind, we have a passion to empower families to thrive with the Word of God and the love of Christ. So each week, we're going to have real conversations about hard issues facing families today. It is our hope that you would be equipped with practical tools based on biblical principles for when life happens and relationships get messy. In other words, how do we flesh out all those Bible verses we know when life isn't looking like we had hoped? If you're in a season of family life that feels hopeless or you have a heart to navigate the challenges of family well, but just don't know how, you're in the right spot. So whether you are driving in your car or checking off one of your honeydews, pop in those earbuds and come find hope in the heart of family life with us. Welcome back, friends, to another episode of Hope in the Heart of Family Life. My name is Alicia Stickles, and I am the executive director of No Heart Left Behind. And today, I am joined in my closet (laughs) with my mom slash founder of No Heart Left Behind and lead belief therapist, Abby Shields. And my dad today joins us in the closet. And really what I wanted to do today is we have been working through our Marriage Broken Together series and we are at halftime. And we've given a lot of really great content and information talking about two people living broken together and how that fleshes out when there's wounds and unmet expectations. But here in the middle, I just thought it would be a really good idea to put some story and some testimony to all of these principles and things that we have been talking about. So that is why I have invited my parents uh, to join us today. So welcome, guys. Welcome, Dad, Mom. Good to be here. Good to be here. Awesome. I think the first thing that before we kind of dive into the the deep parts of your story, we want to get to know you guys a little bit better. Um, so I guess let's start with talking about how you guys met. Well, do you want to take this or do you want me well, to? Well, I'm going to let you do it because you were the primary force act, for <laughs> actor actually had knew what was going on. I was just walking by. Yeah. So we met the very first night at college back in 1968, and um, we were at a freshman mixer, and an upperclassman came up to me and told me, no, I take that back. I went up to an upperclassman because back in those days, you had to have wear beanies and have wear signs about what your major was. And um, anyway, we had to have these books signed, and if we didn't get so many signatures, we had to go through Hell Night. So I was really scared because I didn't want to go through Hell Night. So I went up to an upperclassman and said, could you sign my book, please? And she said, not unless I see you dancing with somebody. And I said, I don't know anybody. And as my husband just said, he was just walking by, and she grabbed him and threw him into my arms and said, here, dance with him. So you literally were thrown together. Yeah literally absolutely and so we danced and then we danced another dance and then um, when the music stopped we started kind of conversing Um, I was the one who talked although that night I'll tell you I think my husband used up all of his words for the rest of his life because he (laughs) talked a lot and we just talked about our major and 
and uh, all of that kind of stuff. And so I was a PE major and he saw that I was a physical education major and he asked me if I played a sport and I said, yes, tennis. And so he happened to be a tennis player and it was that sport of tennis then that kind of began that journey of him challenging me to a tennis match or me challenging him to a tennis match and the rest was history. Awesome. So dad, I've I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit because I realize I've never asked you this question. So when this happened, when this moment of you two just literally getting thrown together, what do you remember, like what you were thinking, what your reaction was, anything like that? Not specifically. Uh, I, no, <laughs> I don't, don't remember. <laughs> I remember uh, what I was wearing. Happened, that, yeah, she had a... Uh, pink button-down Oxford blouse on with uh, blue sh- shorts or culottes or skirt, skirt or whatever. Because what year was this? 1968. And she had her little sign on saying she was a phys ed major. I didn't have a sign because I was too cool. And, <laughs> but I was walking by. And uh, I don't know. We just sort of struck a, up a conversation about our ma- uh, um, her major and then, of course, what my major was and we danced some more, then we went for a, a, a long walk, as I recall, around the campus, and I told her everything she needed to know about me for the rest of her life, and that was that. That was that. You didn't need any more words after that. Nope. <laughs> and so how long did you guys date before you got married? Uh, four, about four and a half years. Well, no, no. about, actually, three and a half years. Seemed like four and a half. Yeah. <laughs> we got married in... Uh, July 1972. So what's that? September 68 to July 72. Gotcha. A while. Okay. And so, wow, that makes 50 years? Yeah. Well, we've known each other for 54 years. I was 18 and he was 17. And so from that moment of meeting one another, it's been approximately almost 54 years. Wow. So, because I have to say, I mean, these days to make the 50-year mark is quite a feat. And we had this awesome celebration this past summer over at the beach, and all of our friends came. um, And it was just a really great time to kind of celebrate everything. And I think I I remember saying um, at at the vow renewal ceremony was just what an amazing celebration it was because of everything that I have seen you guys go through. And it was actually the hard and the rocky times and seeing the way God transformed you guys through that process that made the celebration even more beautiful. So if you're okay with it, um, would love to kind of jump in to some of that 50 years of knowledge and experience and wisdom. So are you guys ready for that? Sure. Sure. We'll give it a go. Absolutely. Our series, Marriage Broken Together, as we've said a couple of times, is based off of a song recorded by Casting Crowns. And so what I wanted to do to start off our conversation is just read a couple of these lines um, and just ask you um, what it makes you think of as it relates to your marriage story um, through the through the lyrics. So some of the lyrics are, what do you think about when you look at me? I know we're not the fairy tale you dreamed we'd be. You wore the veil, you walked the aisle, you took my hand, and we dove into a mystery. And then it ends with, maybe you and I were never meant to be complete. 
Could we just be broken together? If you can bring your shattered dreams and I'll bring mine, could healing still be spoken and save us? The only way we'll last forever is broken together. And so, um, I mean, as your daughter having a front seat, those 50 years, while awesome, you know, many of them, I mean, we're, we're pretty, we're pretty rocky. So, um, when you hear those lyrics, um, what do you think of as it relates, uh, to your marriage story, mom? Well, for me, I think it was the shattered dreams and, and I've spoken of this before, but the expectations that I had when we came in and, um, I thought that those expectations would be met and they weren't. And what kind of expectations? Can you think of anything Lots of things. Uh, the main one was that he would take me away from my mom and dad because my mom and dad were very controlling. And so I thought once I married him that he would stand up to them because I was weak and wasn't able to. And uh, so that was the biggest expectation. And then I had no clue what marriage was or what it was about, really. And so um, I think the other expectation was that I would learn that I that he would love me the way I needed to be loved because I didn't receive love growing up. And you didn't even really know what that meant no. in general. No. I had no idea what love was. You know, because of the, the love that I experienced was I'll love you if, I'll love you when. You know. Yeah. All right, Dad, what about you? Same question. What do you think of when you hear those lyrics and how it relates to your story? One that talks about diving into a mystery. And <laughs> certainly, I, I think I speak for both of us, that neither one of us had any idea what we were getting into when we got married other than... You move in together and, and see what happens and uh, take it from one day at a time. Uh, I really didn't have, I can't remember having expectations of what was going to, what we were going to do other than I'd find a job someplace and she'd work somewhere. And uh, We had talked about in one of the episodes, Dad, that, that, yeah, basically sometimes we have these expectations, but we don't even realize we have them. We don't even know what they are. So that makes a lot of sense. Now, um, the early years, were they were they easy? Were they rocky? Well, they, they were difficult in that after the first year of marriage, uh, I got, I had applied for law school and got accepted at Tulane. We, we were living in, in Pennsylvania at the time. So we had a decision to make as to how we were going to navigate me in New Orleans, whether Abby was going to come down, uh, and ultimately we decided I'd come down and she'd stay up uh, in Pennsylvania because she had a job there and that'd be better to support me. We're heavily influenced by her parents urging us to do that. Uh, I think that uh, that was probably a poor decision, uh, on certainly on my part, uh, and spends from, I was a pretty weak-willed individual and wanted peace and uh, didn't want to have controversy, and so pretty much agreed to it, even though I think in my, deep in my spirit that, that, that I just didn't feel that, 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 well, that good about it. Yeah. So is it fair to say that pretty much from the get-go, there were oh. things that started to disconnect you? Absolutely. Yeah. So, Mom... Um, in one of the in the first part of the series, and I have to say, if you haven't listened to the first three parts of the series, you should stop right now and uh, go and do that because there's so much great stuff. 
But one of the things we talked about that breaks us um, is sin. And, and it's often um, these little things like either dynamics or events or unmet expectations that the enemy uses to disconnect relationships. I want to ask you guys, you know, obviously, like I said, we don't really have, we can't really go into the nitty gritty details of every single trial and struggle that y'all have walked through. Um, Some of those trials and struggles were just life and things happen and nothing, no fault of your own. But some of the things that y'all have walked through has been a result of poor decisions and wounds and and just different stuff like that. So I want to ask you, Dad, first, looking back at everything that you and Mom have been through, what do you feel like was the main, I guess, culprit um, for you, for your contribution to the disconnects in your marriage? Well, the main culprit was my passivity and peacekeeping, and that started early about exactly one year after we were married, uh, a decision was made that I would come down to New Orleans without Abby to go to law school. Uh, I, that decision, I don't think either one of us made, Abby's parents made for us, and, and we, my passivity uh, left it go because I didn't want to argue with them, and I, I was being a peacekeeper. So that was uh, the main event that happened a year into the marriage and it sort of went down hill from there, at least for the next 10 years and probably for the next 20 years, we were in uh, 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 a, a dysfunctional marriage for lack of a better term. Yeah. Uh, well, the, you the, talked the, about the mystery and like y'all didn't know what you were doing. Yeah, so yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. The mystery of marriage. Uh, and we, we weren't doing it well. Uh, so yeah, the separation was a big deal. Yeah. And then from there, how did, what were some other things, how else did your passivity kind of play out? Um, well, passivity, my passivity played out over the next 20, 20 years as basically being a key peacemaker when it came to uh, uh, putting a clamps down on spending in our marriage. Uh, I, I, just wouldn't do it. Uh, uh, we were on the treadmill with keeping up with the Joneses uh, and spending money that we really didn't have. And rather than stand up and say, you know, put put reins on it and pull it back because I knew Abby would resist it and, and argue with me. And I was not into arguing. Uh, it led to a lot of overspending and eventually uh, my disbarment from the practice of law because well i used money that i shouldn't have used to keep uh peace in the family uh so that's that passivity played out uh ultimately uh in my disbarment yeah like and, it was it was to me you know having lived through that experience and just having listened to you guys you know it it seems like the need to please mom and um keep her keep the peace between you guys and and keep her what is it um keep her accustomed to the lifestyle that she was living like you were in such a desperate place because i mean even still to this day you know 
it's just amazing to me what um, the strongholds um, and the desperation in that moment, because that is not you at all <laughs> um, in terms of the decision you made there to um, take money that wasn't yours in order to, because you were just so desperate not to have that conversation with mom that, you know, things weren't going well at the business and that y'all needed to cut back. And so it's just interesting to me how um, our strongholds and our fears can just lead us to some very uncharted territory and dark places. So, um, yeah, mom, what would you, what would you say about that? And then maybe just the disconnects of, of the, that you brought to your marriage? Well, as it pertains to, um, standing up to Curry when he would be talking about money. I was very good at manipulating him with shame. Or I, I would just put him down. I would berate him and tell him that he was a shell of a man, et cetera. I mean, I was, I was not a very nice person way back when, uh, because I was living strictly for me. And uh, so that, as far as standing up to him, that's one of the things that I, that I would do. Um, but then as far as my behavior in the disconnect of this marriage, um, it was the need to matter. I had a, um, I had absolutely no self-esteem whatsoever. Uh, I felt very inadequate. Uh, I lived to please people. And if people didn't like me, then I would uh, lie and, and live out this uh, fantasy world to say that this is who I thought I was. But um, no matter how much people liked me, it was never enough because I was looking to man to fill that need to matter instead of looking to God. And um, so how did that, also, how did that play out? Like what did that, well, that played out then for me to go off and start looking for love in all the wrong places? Um, I would uh, go off and meet up with men that I didn't even know, but, and but and as long as I was with a person who was telling me how beautiful I was, I felt that I mattered at the time, but then once they left my world, um, I fell apart and just started the whole thing all over again. So you know, that need to that need to matter is very strong in, in a human being. And um, I didn't know God at the time, so I didn't know that I mattered to him. And that's ultimately all that needs to matter. But um, yeah, and then I just um, disconnected from Curry, whatever, whatever he said. We pretty much lived separately in under one roof we were like roommates and i went my way and he went his way yeah and um so it led to a lot of extramarital affairs oh big time yeah, yeah. i would imagine that had to have been a low point for you guys that's what i wanted to talk about is um what for for each of you what would you say was a was i know there were probably many low points but could you think of a a low point um that really sticks out in your mind where you were just like, I can't do this anymore. Cause I feel like a lot of listeners are in that spot where, you know, they're just walking through the hard and the poor part of marriage and they just feel like they feel hopeless. And so what, what were those, what did those points feel like for you? Well, I think one low point was, you know, when we were separated uh and 
you know, going our different ways and the affairs or not was uh, when I went up to Washington, D.C. to see Abby, I forget why that was exactly, but uh, I mean, I, I was at a point where I just said, listen, uh, you know, we're either going to be married or we're not, and you need to come back down to New Orleans. And so that was one one time I actually stood up for what I believed and stated what I thought need, needed to uh, happen. So that was, and then obviously had reached a low point in our marriage uh, for me to do that because I was actually stating uh, uh, a position. Yeah, I'm very proud. To, <laughs> as opposed to being passive. Yeah. And I think I was shocked by the assertiveness of him. I went, oh, okay. And um, because he had never stood up to me before. And so for him, I think that was a low point. For me, the low point in the marriage um, was when he got disbarred um, because I was looking to him for security. I was looking for him to provide for me. And, and um, you know, the fact that he lied to me for three years, trying to um, take care of himself and protect himself from the news that he was getting disbarred. And um, when I found out that he was getting disbarred, um, it was like my whole world fell apart. There was nothing solid to stand on at least i had him for the moment anyway to to look to but when he when that happened it was like why bother you know it was just totally hopeless and um, and i think you've talked about that in other episodes maybe you have maybe you haven't but you always talk about a moment where you were just ready to get out and you were praying and asking God, because y'all were believers when all of this, very young believers, but I believe y'all were believers when all this happened. We have been uh, believers for about five years when the the disbarment came about. Uh, Obviously, when we, when I uh, became a a true believer in Christ, I had a lot of, a lot of stuff that needed work on and uh, God started working on it uh, pretty much uh, right away and and he needed to get my attention about my behavior uh my passivity and and uh what i was doing to keep keep the uh, keep keep my wife happy he needed to get my attention and that was the disbarment yeah for me um at that low point i'm crying out to god um because i wanted i at, i was at my breaking point i, I was wanted to give up because i was done i was just done and so I'm calling out to God, do I leave? Do I stay? Do I leave? Do I stay? And he said, the Holy Spirit said to me, stay. And I, that's when I paused for a minute and said, that's not what I want to do uh, <laughs> because I don't love him anymore. I'm done. I'm just done. I'm, I don't want to do this anymore. And... Uh, I really think it's it's was God saving our marriage because um, he said, I know you don't. The Holy Spirit said, I know you don't love him anymore, Abby, but I do. Mm. And so I want you through the Holy Spirit to love him without with my love until you can love him with your love again. And even though I didn't want to do that, it was just something in my heart that said, 
okay and yeah. uh just went back to the drawing board yeah and uh then continued then to have that transition from living not from my my perspective but from god's perspective and so yeah I, I, that was a powerful moment yeah yeah i would i would just say that disbarment was the worst thing that happened but it was also the best thing that happened yeah uh cuz it stripped away all our 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 the things that we lie we we relied upon in our flesh for lack of to, to, to yeah. use a, a religious term but uh you know worldly living was uh stripped away and and i think abby said that uh uh well what's what's this thing you say about uh when 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 this is all you have you know that that's all you need or something to that right effect. right I, I learned through this process is that when jesus is all i had because that's literally all i had um i found out that jesus and the word and the holy spirit um was all i really needed to be able to move through the hard parts of life and even the, the good lights i think we um you know again having a front seat to, cause I mean, I was around when all this was going on. Um, you know, I think people look at your marriage today and, you know, as you celebrate 50 years and, um, just the, the, the love and just true enjoyment of each other that you have. I mean, it's just incredible to watch, but I, I think we camp here on some of these low points just because, it was not easy to get to that point. And the way kind of what you were saying, dad, is that, you know, it was the best and worst thing because it was like through all of this, God started to strip away everything that was causing the disconnects in your marriage and build it up um, and heal it. And so, you know, this took work and it was not easy. And I'd watched y'all fight like fight for your marriage, but also like fight <laughs> where you couldn't sleep in the same bedroom. And I just, I think sometimes other couples will look at you guys and think, oh, they have such a great marriage and not realize how much commitment to your vows you had to, um, that was present there. And I, I really believe as a spectator that your commitment to your vows and your willingness to look at yourself um really played a part in giving god room to heal your marriage i also feel like forgiveness had to have played a huge part in y'all coming back together time after time you know after losing all of the material possessions and this disbarment and the death of a um a foster child and the adultery and all that kind of stuff so um i guess what I don't know if to ask, like, what did, how were you able to do it? Like, I'm just going to say it like that. Like how, I mean, how were you able to do that, mom? <laughs> well, for, for me, it was um, getting a new perspective, you know, being in the word and learning to look out at dad through God's eyes rather than my eyes. Um Totally by the grace of God and grace is his divine influence on our hearts that changes our perspective, which can change our life. Uh, and it's, it's the power of the resurrected life. I mean, it was not 
anything that the world would teach us to do, like seven steps and seven habits. It was truly, and this is hard for people to understand, it was truly the power of God within us, with us shifting our focus from being prideful to surrendering ourselves. It was um, going from unbelief in God to believing that God is real and that he uh, is powerful and he can give you new life. And, um, and I think forgiveness for me was, was a big thing in that at the time I had come across a scripture uh, in Luke where Jesus is hanging on the cross and he has his whole body torn apart almost to the point of being unrecognizable. And as he's hanging on the cross, he says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And if he could say that to and do what he did for me and, and forgive those who just tortured him because they, he said they didn't know what they would do, that, that one scripture began my journey of forgiving Curry because if Christ did that for me, and forgave those and he's asking me to live forgiven by him then it's my job then to forgive others um even though i might not want to but because of the cross that's my whole motive for forgiveness is that if he forgave me then it's important for me to forgive others and it's just the way i live yeah and I think it gives, um, you, you always say this, mom, you always say, you know, I know my husband didn't wake up in the morning and say, what can I do to make Abby's life miserable or hurt her or whatever? Right. It's having that realization that, you know, he's operate, he's operating from his brokenness and you are operating from your brokenness. And so dad, um, you know, I, I, would imagine that there are some listeners out there um, that are in a place where their spouse or their their partner has cheated on them. And I think the big question is how, you know, because I think that's a big one. And I mean, rightfully so. Um, but how were you able to forgive mom in that in that season? Because I don't, I mean, y'all weren't even really believers then. So it's just so incredible to me that your marriage survived all of that. Because it was multiple times. It was not just once. Well, somehow I knew that mom, Abby, was operating out, was living out of her brokenness. That she, what she was doing, she was not doing to hurt me or to spite me, uh, and I, I just, I don't know, somehow I was able to see her heart and I knew that she was a good person and, and just terribly, terribly broken. Uh, and so that's, with that realization, that's what kept us together uh, after after the affairs and, you know, it was a situation. I mean, I had had affairs too, because when she was out running around, I, I said, well, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I was not uh, innocent in, in that. And uh, so it was just knowing her heart 
knowing that she was a good person. We were best friends, uh, even throughout all this. I mean, we remain really, really probably best friends for each other. I mean, I, I can't think of a friend that I, that was a better friend to me than what what Abby was, even through all her her acting out. And I don't know whether she had a friend that. Uh, no, you were my best friend. So. Somehow we, uh, through our, our brokenness, stayed together. I wish I had a better answer, but uh, that's the only thing I can say. That I just knew that she wasn't doing it to spite me or to hurt me or to get back at me for anything. She was operating out of her brokenness. And that, because I knew she was, she, she was broken, I was able to move on, forgive, if you will. Like I said, really didn't know the Lord at that, that period of time, but it essentially i was able to forgive and move on and and put put the, those things behind us yeah so if i if i hear you correctly it kind of sounds like you know not just looking at the behavior but looking at the reasons for the behavior and maybe seeing that you know there the the reasons and the hearts behind the behavior are the things to look at and deal with as opposed to the behavior. behavior. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, that's one. Well, yeah. That'd be the main thing to say to a, a person that uh, a man or a woman that's going through a situation where their spouse has been unfaithful is to, you know, hopefully, you know, know that know your spouse and know that person, and you know that uh, their their behavior is out of a brokenness and not out of spite towards you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> there there are good things, and there have been good days. <laughs> so I know yeah. we've spent a lot of time in just talking about these disconnects. And thank you so much for just sharing your heart because I think it's encouraging to other listeners out there realizing, hey, I'm not alone. And, you know, the things that I'm walking through are not unique to me that other people have been there. And God has, um, you know, when when you give him space to work, God comes in and, and your marriage is a testimony of what he can do with two people who, you know, look at their own brokenness and um, give God room to heal. And so I want to talk about, you know, because in the series we talk about shifting, um, you know, going from being uh, selfish to selfless, um, talking about, you know, going from a contract marriage mindset to a covenant marriage mindset. We've talked about transformation and how, you know, transformation at the heart level is, more than just behavior modification, um, which we were kind of talking about. I mean, I think it was you, mom, that just dropped the word transformation. So what did, what was that process like for each of you? Like, what did that look like in your own heart? And maybe how did you see that shifting and transformation in each other? And what did that, what did that look like? Because I mean, I have seen such a transformation and a shift in both of you. And I'm just curious what you feel like was the cause of that. Well, uh, for me, I mean, th I think the event was my disbarment. And uh, 
Uh, I mean, I took, I, I knew I was responsible. I made the decisions that led to my disbarment, even though, you know, the reasons I was doing it was trying, once again, trying to keep the peace and give Abby what she wanted and all that kind of stuff. But at that, that time, you know, when I was a peacekeeper and, and, uh, uh, passive, I began to realize all those activities that I looked at as being a good person and not trying to create chaos were actually acts of selfishness on my part in that I didn't want to have to deal with controversy. I didn't want to have to deal with hard financial decisions. So uh, that passivity was just very selfish. So I began to look at that uh, kind of behavior. And I think I started to be transformed that, you know, realizing that I was acting in a selfish way uh, all those years when I thought I was just, you know, being a good guy. And, I, you know, and that selfishness, I realized I had to become selfless in that I had to uh, stand up and, and do, a, do what was right, uh, regardless of the consequences, uh, and that just looking at my behavior uh, and realizing that I'm to live as a servant uh, of my spouse. Uh, you know, Christ, or Paul tells us in Ephesians, husbands love your wife sacrificially as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And that, that has been really a transformative uh, verse in my life because, you know, sacrificial love is something that I think is, is not as, not as common as what the, it should be, certainly even in Christian marriages and living a, to be selfless and not protecting my ego, if you will, by, by just dodging controversies. It just has changed my life. Yeah. I think it's so interesting how, you know, the enemy can even use something like peacekeeping. Cause you know, we say that word peacekeeping and it's like, well, peacekeeping, that's, that's a good thing. That's in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah it's, uh, blessed are the peacemakers. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's, and how it's just like a slight twist in your motive that made, you know, the peacekeeping actually the thing that the Lord was trying to have you look at with different eyes, I would say. And so, yeah, mom, what, uh, what about you? What did you see in yourself well, in and the, dad? The, the transformation that took place um, over behavior modification, uh, because transformation is truly a uh, changing, uh, having going from the old to the new. And so, uh, as I began to come to know the word of God, I began to hear that I had a new identity. And that that was the huge transformation, that my identity was not what I lived from, from the messages of the world. The messages of the world told me that I was inadequate, that I had no worth, that I couldn't do anything right, and um, I was disregarded, and all of those words and many more. Um, 
And so that was the beginning of the shifting was understanding who I really was, my new identity. And then that new identity gave me a new perspective. And that new perspective was to be able to look out uh, with God's eyes and how do you get God's eyes? How do you get God's perspective? And that's where being in the being in the word, because the definition of truth is God's perspective of your reality, which never changes versus the world's perspective that changes on the drop of a dime based on how you feel. So instead of letting my feelings be my truth, I began to truly understand the purpose of God's word and his love for me. And so that new perspective then gave me new beliefs. Uh, and, and instead of believing the lies, I began to believe the truth. And so because of that, I was transformed from being this person who was very prideful, uh, lived for herself, um, lived to get what she wanted to live as Christ would live. And that would be to live to serve, um, because scripture tells us over and over over and over again that we are called to be his ambassador we are called to be an imitator of god and that we are called to have the attitude of christ jesus and so that was the biggest transformation for me and i continue that journey it's not a one-time thing it's a continual journey until um, i die yeah and so how did that play like how did that affect your marriage oh my gosh <laughs> um i'm still married uh <laughs> <laughs> uh, I began to look at my husband uh, with compassion and um, compassion is an act of concern for the suffering of another uh, compassion. And that goes totally against the sin nature, which is self, um, because normally people would say, well, I have an act of concern for my own suffering. And so I think that that was the biggest thing is that it began to give me compassion. And, and I looked at my husband and had an act of concern for his suffering, not mine. And then it also affected the fact that I would give him mercy and mercy is not giving him what he does deserve. And then I, I learned to be slow to anger um, because anger was an emotion that gave me the illusion that I was in control. And so I was constantly uh, living out of anger because I wanted to be in control. And then I think the biggest transformation in that, uh, how that affected my marriage was that I began to love my husband sacrificially, which was redemptive love. Yeah. Um, redemptive love is, is a huge part. And then it also then leads to forgiveness and you just do that over and over and yeah. over again. Yeah. And dad, I mean, what, cause you know, you talk a lot about how mom's transformation and just the changes you saw in her because she became a believer, I think, before you. Um, what did you see in mom that was, you know, that you noticed in terms of how how this shifting of perspective changed her? What did you notice about her in your marriage that was different? Well, what I'd say, the main thing was probably she was a, she was more gentle and not uh, as argumentative uh, as what she had been in the past. Uh, yeah. th that, you know, those would be the two things that. Yeah. Uh, mom, mom always I says. Didn't have, like, to, didn't have to walk on eggshells. <laughs> she says that she wasn't, she wasn't as angry as she used to be. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, argumentative, angry or what. Yes. Yeah. Mom, what about you? What what did you see in terms of change the changes in dad? Because he talked about just being able to 
um, yep. he, he stood up to me <laughs> and I didn't like, I didn't like it at first, but I, I saw a man that was beginning to find his voice that um, was not living out of fear of me, but out of love of God and his no him knowing that the love of God didn't mean just giving in to everything. And um, that was the biggest thing that yeah. he stood up to me. And that yeah. was a wonderful thing. That's ultimately what I wanted from day one. But both of us back when we got married were so broken. Yeah. That we couldn't put a name to it. Yeah. Um, so to, you know, as we kind of close our, our time together, I want to, I want to speak because man, my heart just grieves for people walking through seasons of just the, what do you, what do you call it? The, the worse and poorer, <laughs> everybody and likes, poorer <laughs> everybody likes the for better and richer part, but the worser and poor, poor parts are hard. But like you were saying, dad, it's, it's kind of the place where we get the, the refinement, you know, and that's what marriage is all about. But if you could speak to the, to the listener out there, um, who, you know, that they're, they're walking through a season where they just feel like there's no hope for their marriage, you know, outside of, well, just don't give up. Um, what, how would you want to encourage that person or what would you want them to walk away from this episode knowing? Well, I, I would say that it's not in marriage. It's not about finding the right person. It's about being the right person. Um, and what does that mean to you? What that means to me is that you love your spouse sacrificially and you love her in a way that will show your spouse that your love, in fact, is unconditional uh, and you are committed to them and uh, your motives are love and not manipulation uh, and just being the right person, being a person that becoming, how could you Yeah. Being and becoming the right person to set to an extent that how can your spouse not respond to that kind of love? That's what I would say. Yeah. What about you, mom? What would you want to say to that person that feels hopeless? Well, one scripture says, if Christ is in your life, nothing is hopeless. Um, over and over again, scripture in Romans uh, 15, 13 says that the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. All righty. And it's that you look to him for the hope that um, he says for us not to place our hope in people, but our place, our hope in him. And it's a living kind of hope because of Christ, what Christ did on the cross. And that uh, it's not, I hope Santa Claus is going to be good to me, but I know because of Christ, this marriage can work. So I think there's, there's three things that I have learned um, that I would want to share with those who feel hopeless. One, to get your focus on what Christ did for us on the cross. 
And what he did for us on the cross was because he loved us and he then made us new creations. And so to learn to live out of that new creation. And then the second thing is for the Holy Spirit to be your guide. I mean, if I had not heard the Holy Spirit speak to me about uh, loving God with their love until I could love them with my love, um, I don't think we'd be married today. And so there truly is something called the Holy Spirit. And for us to sit still and, and to listen to it and to have him speak to us through the word of God. And then the, the third thing would be believing truth that, you know, believing doesn't make God's word true. God's word is true. So therefore I'm asking you to believe them. And then that not to serve or not to do so you can be accepted, but for you to change that shift that, that we are accepted so that we then can follow him, not because we are we want him to accept us, but to know that God accepts you, warts, wrinkles, and all. And he's saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy. And then finally for me, because love was such a big thing, I don't follow God to be loved. I am loved, so that's what allows me to follow him. And if you can grab those concepts and their spiritual concepts, and that's the whole thing on this, is that I realized through all of this that it is not a physical issue. It is a spiritual issue. And you cannot fix spiritual issues with worldly things. And that's the purpose of this ministry is to show people where the root of the issue is, which is on their broken spirits. And then the God can put the pieces back together again with Christ at the center of it all. Yeah. Well, I, I, for one, as your daughter, and I will try not to get teary saying this, um, just am so thankful for the example that you two have set for my marriage and being able to see what it looks like to just be committed to your vows. And, and, you know, here's the thing is I know that not everybody's marriage ends up in the same place um, as you guys have. And there's no shame in that. And I, I truly believe that God uses everything. Um, and I just feel like I, though, am super just grateful for the testimony of you two and what just the healing and peace um, that God has brought in your marriage because it trickles down and you really have left a legacy for us. So thank you. I love you guys. We love you too, Alicia. We love you. All right. Thank you everybody for joining us. Thank you so much for joining us on No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. We hope you felt seen, encouraged, and just a little more equipped to love your family well. If you want to learn more about No Heart Left Behind, be sure to check out our website, www.noheartleftbehind.com, or visit the link in the show notes. If you love the podcast, we would love it if you would follow us on your favorite podcast player. And if you love this episode, please share it with a friend. Your encouragement is not just for our egos. It really helps others find the show and encourages them to check it out. Mother Teresa said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. So until we see you again next week, go home and be a world changer.